Uganda officially withdraws from the ICO. The International Coffee Association has received an official letter, seen by Bartoks, of the withdrawal of Uganda from the organization. The letter states, The executive director of the International Coffee Organization, ICO, as the chief administrative officer of the Depository for the International Coffee Agreement, ICA, 2007, would like to inform members and other interested parties that Uganda notified the organization on September 10, 2021, of its intention not to join the extension of the International Coffee Agreement 2007. In accordance with paragraph 3 of Article 48 of the ICA 2007, the withdrawal of Uganda became effective on February 2, 2022, being the date of the extension of the ICA. The motivation for this has been left to speculation, although we expect to hear a statement in due course. When Guatemala left the ICO in 2020, they were vocal about what they saw as a lack of progress by the ICO in helping improve farmers' livelihoods. We wonder if the statement about the perceived unfair treatment of Uganda by the EU, over tariffs, comes from the same pool of sentiment. We can predict the ICO's public reaction will be along the lines of how disappointed they are, but I hope behind the scenes, there will be a motivation to find out how to bridge grievances and avoid a fragmentation of the representation of coffee-producing countries. According to a Ministry of Commerce announcement last Sunday, the commercial name of Arabic coffee will officially be renamed to Saudi coffee for use in restaurants, cafes, stores and roasters in the kingdom. As part of the Saudi Ministry of Culture initiative, Saudi Arabia will celebrate the Year of Saudi Coffee in 2022 to strengthen the nation's coffee identity and culture, aiming to set apart the flavor and preparation methods from that of other regional coffee. This initiative is part of a larger Vision 2030 effort, a roadmap for economic and social reform, to be achieved by 2030, revisiting the symbols and hallmarks of its culture and national identity. This name change announcement by Ministry spokesman Abdulrahman Al Hussein kicks off this coffee identity initiative. Events will also be scheduled throughout the year with partnered restaurants, hotels, coffee shops, and roasters. For the people, there is a need to differentiate Saudi coffee from others. Nobel Peace Prize laureate and coffee expert, Lamin Abdul Malik stated. Saudi coffee tends to be roasted a little lighter, traditionally, meaning it has a bit more caffeine in it, and that is why it is served in smaller cups. You can see from the color it is a pale gray. Saudi coffee takes at least 10 minutes to make, where you are boiling the water and coffee grounds. This name change might encourage pride in the people's cultural coffee identity and increase Saudi coffee's market presence and demand. Nick Basket from Bar Talks talked to Lamine about coffee and philosophy in 2020. You can catch that interview on the Bar Talks YouTube interview channel or associated podcast. Hawaiian Coffee Bill Divides Opinion a proposal to ensure Hawaiian coffee contains more coffee grown in the country has divided opinion across the island. HB 157 is a bill that was debated by the Agriculture Committee in Hawaii's parliament last week. In Hawaii, any coffee with a minimum content of 10% Hawaiian beans can be called Hawaiian coffee, and this has been challenged by those who feel this does nothing for the Hawaiian coffee farmers and cheapens the country as a brand. However, not everyone agrees.
Some well-known local coffee brands say this will increase their costs, which will have to be passed on to consumers, at a time when inflation is already hurting the industry and hitting people in their pockets. The retailers may be right about the increasing costs, but what's the point of a name, if it doesn't represent something? Those who want cheaper coffee will still be able to buy alternatives. As reported by the Times of India, Indian coffee company CLL Products India Ltd Continental Coffee will invest 20 million US dollars in doubling the capacity of its Vietnam coffee manufacturing facility. At present, the Vietnamese facility produces between 13,000 and 14,000 metric tons per annum (MPTA) of spray-dried coffee. It is expected to double its output to 26,000 MPTA by the end of 2022. The company noted that Vietnam has a tariff advantage for exports and it is one of the largest coffee growing countries which enables easy access to raw materials and reduced freight costs. The company's current capacity is 36000 to 37000 MTPA including 25000 in India. According to CLL Products CEO Praveen Jaipuriyar This expansion will bring their capacities to 50 to 55000 MTPA and will greatly assist the company's growth in the upcoming years. CLL anticipates revenue of approximately 214.3 million US dollars, 16 billion Indian rupees for the current fiscal year, up significantly from last year's 167 million US dollars, 12.4 billion Indian rupees. Odrek Rabwogo, who is a senior advisor to the Ugandan President on Exports and Enterprise Building for Young People, as well as an agricultural entrepreneur, wrote a combative article in African Business last week. Rabwogo argues that the trading rules between the EU and African countries are unfair and represent bullying by the EU. He stated, "It is difficult to distinguish such relationships from the colonial era protectorates of the past." Rabwogo picks on coffee as one of the best examples. The EU slaps Africa with a punishing 7.5% tariff charge on processed, roasted coffee, but not unroasted, raw green beans. Naturally, this deters our coffee producers from investing in the technology to process the commodity while bullying them into exporting it raw. Mr. Wabwogo has a point about the impact this has on restraining investment in developing countries and this is not a new argument. However, to label it as colonialism or infer racist motives is melodrama that may pander to the crowds at home but does little to actually inspire the changes he says they need. Worldwide trade tensions are not a unique problem to African countries. In January 2020, The US and the EU were at loggerheads of trade rules and the coffee industry was dragged into the fight. Roasted coffee imported from the EU during 2018 totaled $171 million. The tariffs discussed at the time could have added 10 to 25% to the cost or even 100% in some cases, prompting Bill Murray, president of the National Coffee Association, to write to politicians about his concerns. During Brexit negotiations the British Coffee Association was also concerned about the cost to British industry of a no-deal Brexit. Applying WTO rules would hurt Britain's coffee industry, they wrote, 
citing the need for a trading arrangement. Intrason has a page that summarizes the EU's tariffs, and the EU's 7.5% tax on roasted coffee looks modest compared to Russia's 10%, or Japan's 20%. Uganda's imports to the EU in 2018 represented 5.4% of the bloc's total coffee imports. Brazil, which has been an independent country since 1822, exported 900,193 tons of green coffee in 2018 to the EU, or 30.1% of total imports, and paid the same tariff as Uganda. Global trade arrangements are notoriously complex, and it's right to ask the question of whether they work, and if they are contributing to the EU's stated desired policy outcome, but this is not the right way to go about it. So I put it to Mr. Rob Wogo that instead of framing the argument as a form of economic colonialism, they should get on with building a better infrastructure and tapping new markets if they don't like the terms with the EU. They could enact reform internally while making a reasoned argument for improved tariffs. But simply lamenting, it's not our fault, is a poor strategy with little hope of improving the outcome for the coffee industry. In fact, Mr. Robogo acknowledged that Uganda could have done more to invest and modernize their agricultural practices in the 60 years since they became independent, and cites recent success at the Dubai Expo, where $650 million of investment was secured in just two weeks. Bravo Uganda! Do more of that. An improvement of good agricultural practices is another good start, and as we wrote last week, the Hans Newman Stiften Organization recently concluded a two-year program. What about considering tax incentives for local roasters and stimulating interest in the internal market for their own products? Brazil and Vietnam, the two largest exporters of green beans to the EU, both have an active domestic roasting market. The focus for Uganda should be on taking ownership to build a better future, not bringing up the ghosts of the past to excuse current shortcomings. 